Hi, welcome to another edition of Video Culture. I just wanted to take a moment to apologize again for the bad audio quality. Um, we had a special guest on our show, Patrick, who also writes for us on the uh, on our website, on the video-culture.com website. And uh, it was a great special guest, great episode. Uh, where we talked about, you know, escape from New York, escape from L.A., um, and his microphone uh, or his recording device uh, seemed to give a lot of um, pops and clicks. So we deeply apologize for the uh, for the error. The other thing is, is um, Matt used the wrong microphone. He uh, used his camera um, and used his his camera mic instead of his uh, microphone that was in front of him. So all kinds of issues. This is normally not like us, and uh, we deeply apologize. We've now gone to a different uh, like process of recording, so hopefully we won't have these issues in the future. But please, this is a wonderful episode where we get to discuss... Uh, um, all the things that uh, that we love about John Carpenter and things that we love about Kurt Russell and and both of the Escape movies for our episode number 70. So I hope you enjoy. On this episode of Video Culture, we'll talk John Carpenter's escapes with Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. Did you rewind it? In a time where everyone has a podcast, in a place where everyone has an opinion, two heroes, Matthew and Ryan, against all odds, are here to save your movie viewing experience from total disaster. Your trip through the video aisles of yesteryear begins now. There will be chills, there will be thrills, and there's a good chance that Ryan will have a coffee spill. They'll discuss the quality, cultural significance, and more detail, frankly, than you bargained for. Here's your host, Ryan Acree and Matthew Essery. And welcome to a special sequel episode of video culture i'm your host ryan acree and i'm matthew Esri. And, and we've got a special guest with us today yes we certainly do we have our staff writer video culture staff writer patrick bartlett hi what's up i'm pat yes <laughs> yeah so we're uh we we decided to bring on pat he's uh does a lot of writing for our website and uh you know it's just me and matt on the show most of the time and you know it's been a while since we've had you know, somebody else join us on the show, and what a perfect opportunity for episode 70 to talk about these John Carpenter escape movies. You're big, I love John Carpenter. You're, a, he's, you're he's like a big, wide. you're like a big John Carpenter fan, right, Pat? He is a god to me. He is a, he is like the, the film, like, it's like, when I was growing up, like, my, like, Holy Trinity was, like, Smith and Tarantino and Rodriguez, but, like, once I started, like, watching the stuff that influenced them, 
Like, it was just John Carpenter all the time, and now that's what I return to most of the time. Okay. So what, what is your favorite John Carpenter movie? Halloween. Halloween. Halloween's, like, okay. my favorite horror movie, like, my top five movies in general, but almost, almost all of his stuff is awesome. Okay. Well, we talked about uh, John Carpenter on one of our episodes. We talked about, we did the watch along with uh, Big Trouble in Little China, right, Matt? We did, yeah. I mean, that's 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 one of my, that's probably my favorite John Carpenter film. But uh, but I'm much like Pat, where I think all of his stuff is great, at least through that through that era, you know, 70s, 80s period, where he was practically untouchable. Well, I mean, no one had a run like John Carpenter. Well, I mean, he's he did Halloween, Starman, The Thing, uh, Christine, Big Trouble in Little China, which I mentioned, Prince of Darkness. Dark Star, Assault on Precinct 13, In the Mouth of Madness. Any more you want to add to the list? Well, I mean, uh, again, he did, he did uh, you know, the Escape movies, which we're going to talk about today. And, and Escape are, from New York and Escape from L.A., right? Yeah. And this There's is one a, that's, go ahead. Like, that's unseen and underrated that I just watched again recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called um, Someone's Watching Me or Somebody's Watching Me. I can't remember. It was his t- one of his TV movies, yeah. Yeah, it mm. was lost forever, and it's actually really cool. Like, it's like I had never seen it until a couple years ago when she, when Scream Factory put it out. But actually, it's pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. me and Ryan were actually talking about his his Elvis TV movie, which mm. is how he, how, how he met Kurt Russell. Yeah. We were talking about yep. that just a couple days ago. Yeah, because he did uh, the Elvis movie in, like, 1978 or 1979. It was a made-for-TV movie for ABC. That's how he met um, John Carpenter. And that's how, like, Escape from New York made, like, later in 1981. And, you know, he, you and I talked about this too, Matt, that he, that Kurt Russell really wanted to, to shed that, like, Disney, like, child comedy image, right? And become, like, a real, like, kind of almost action star or whatever, right? Yeah, because he was, he was still the, the, the computer that wore tennis shoes to a lot of people. I mean, he was still just a child Disney star. And, mm-hmm. It was a very conscious choice to do the role of Snake Plissken, to grow his hair long, to have you know, like five o'clock shadow, to to be kind of this snarling, almost silent, you know, Clint Eastwood esque, you know, badass character. Yeah. It was a very conscious choice to try to shatter that image people had of him. Yeah, wear that big eye patch and uh, you know, just be this like badass. And also too, like Escape from New York. Just uh, if your our audience is unfamiliar. Yeah, it was done in 1981, but the sequel was not done until, like, 1996. So these are, like, really kind of spread out, like, far movies. And what the weird thing is, is, like, Escape from New York uh, was, even though it was filmed in 1991, it was a futuristic film that was supposed to be 1996, correct? Yeah, it's it's one of those films where they put the future really too close to the present. It takes place in the the far-off future of 1997. (laughs) Right. And, uh... Have you ever seen the movie Turbo Kid? It's like the thing they had Turbo Kid, where they were like, it's the the future. It's the year 1998. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's I I rewatched Escape from L.A. this morning because, you know, I'm just taking it easy. Uh, this today, I, I I didn't have anything else to do, so I caught back up on it. And Escape from LA takes place in twenty in like twenty thirteen. Yeah. So both these films are now incredibly in the in the future past, so to speak. <laughs> you know, it's an alternate universe. It's fine. An alternate yeah. universe where 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 Kurt Russell lost an eye and uh, sounds well, like Clint Eastwood. Well, I never. I was telling Patrick uh, before we started the show that I never watched these movies. Uh, you know, as a kid, um, uh, the you know, a- Avco Embassy Pictures, right? Who, uh, you know, they're the ones who put up the money for Escape from New York. 
I mean, they never created like a PG, you know, movie to for for the show on TBS or USA or any of this. You know what I'm saying? So it was one of those that was I, I, if it was on HBO or Showtime or something like that, I wasn't very interested in it. It probably looked like some dystopian future movie, and so I probably just like skipped over it. And then like when Escape from LA came out, like I was way too busy, you know, being in college and, you know, going to, you know, clubs. And, and also that was around the time that uh, I was discovering other movies as my friends like worked in a video store and stuff like that. So I never really, you know, got into, and it, and also it seemed like a sequel. It almost seemed like you had to watch Escape from, you know, New York before you could in, enjoy and watch Escape from LA, which you really don't have which, to. Which you really no, I didn't. Through. Yeah. Escape from LA was actually the first Carpenter I saw in the theater. I mean, so I'm a couple years younger. I think we're both a couple years younger than you, Ryan. And uh, so I saw it in uh, I saw it in when I was in high school yeah. um, because it, you know it just looked like a collection movie and it had a great soundtrack. It had you know White Zombie and Tool and all these other bands like the Toadies that I was I was really into at that time period. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there was also Civ. I'm just pointing that out because I love Civ. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, like. Um, the whole thing I was just saying to him earlier, I was like, I remember, um, I don't think that I ever saw the original, but um, when, at the time, like when, but when it was coming out, it just looked, yeah, I was, I was 13, and I was like, that movie looks amazing, and like I told my dad, and my dad's like, it's like, yeah, the Snake Plissken movie, I'm like, I, what, do you, what do you mean, how do you know about this, and he's like, they made another movie like forever ago, and I was like, there's another movie like this? And that's that's ended up how I saw Escape from New York, but I saw it way after Escape from L.A. Like you did not need to have seen Escape from New York. I mean, it's kind of like the same movie more than it's kind of like Evil Dead Two in the sense it's like mm-hmm. it's a sequel, but also not so much like yeah. where it's kind of like re rehitting yeah. the same beats. So well, like yeah. or or a continu- I mean, yeah. it is a continuation of the story, but it's not. Yeah. Like the same story. It's a different setting. Yeah. It's a different set of circumstances, even though they're very similar set of circumstances. So, yeah. So let's get into what, what it's all about. And uh, so the synopsis and what's what's also funny about this, and, and you'll like this, Matt, is like on both the IMDb page for Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., the, the synopsis is written by the same person. So maybe we'll have some. You know, well, similarity. I, I do appreciate commitment, so, so promise to that person. <laughs> All right. In the future, crime is out of control, and New York City's Manhattan is a maximum security prison. Grabbing a bargaining chip right out of the air, convicts bring down the president's plane in bad old Gotham. Gruff Snake Pilskin, a one-eyed lone well, warrior. Time out, time out. I gotta stop. Pliskin. 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 We're not angry emails. Pliskin. Gruff Snake. Pliskin, a one-eyed lone warrior new to prison life, is coerced into bringing the president and his cargo out of the land of the undesirables. Okay, I have to stop for a moment and just ask, and we gotta digress for a second. Ryan, they say his name uh, goes all your time for the movies. <laughs> How did you just pronounce that, brother? I always... <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he wants to Pilskin. call him snake. I want to like say Pilskin. Of, like I don't know film. why I want to say Pilskin. I don't know why. <laughs> do, you, do you like uh, Pilsner beers a lot? Is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, like because yeah, like it's that's the whole like, the whole thing. They keep calling him Pliskin until finally it's just yeah. he's like, "Call me Snake." Well, and then at the end, call him we'll snake, talk about like, that. We'll talk about Pliskin. that. We'll talk yeah. about that. Yeah, right. We'll talk. About but yeah, yeah. I can I can edit that together. No, you shouldn't. I say we leave it in. It's all all in good fun. All right. 
No, it's only but, fun. but okay, so we'll we are not let, editing anything. People right. have heard this show before. <laughs> well, first off, when I was trying to explain like the plot uh, to to somebody, like my wife was mm-hmm. like, what, she was like, "What are you watching?" And I'm like, "Okay, imagine this, you know." And I break it down like New York, some prison. So we have to suspend our imagination that all this stuff is happening. That they would turn New York City, like everything we built. And Manhattan is just a big prison, you know, and then this is where we throw all the undesirables. And then where we throw the undesirables, it's kind of like fend for yourself, you know, good luck, you know. Uh, Well, it's like, I feel like that's how people like, I feel like people thought like New York in like the 80s. Like my mom still feels this way. And it's like decades later. Where like basically you go to New York instantly, you just like stabbed in the face. Like that's literally basically what happens. It's like yeah, as soon as you like walk off the bus, walk off the train, whatever, yeah. just stabbed in the face. Like it's just like so. I feel like people thought that yeah, if you went to New York, it was just crime filled anyway. So they were like basically instead of trying to police these people, screw it, just like let them all like exist they're there. We'll savages. throw the rest. Yeah, there. they're all savages anyway. So just yeah, they, we'll just wall it off. That, I feel like that's yeah, yeah. okay. That's, that's how I feel like they attached it. Yeah, this was the New York of the of the late seventies, early eighties. It was, I mean, it was a bad place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I know it was, but like, I don't know if it's as bad as like, okay, like I remember when I watched Death Wish for the first time. I went to yeah. my dad. I was like, okay, so literally every time this man leaves his apartment, he encounters <laughs> crime. That's amazing. Like I was like, I've been in New York <laughs> a million times. I have never once seen that much crime. Where like literally, mm-hmm. I, like I turn a corner, there's a guy to shoot. Like I was like, that's never been a thing that's occurred in my life. <laughs> wait, so like, you're, wait, so you're telling me it's not like the Warriors? <laughs> I kind of wish it was. That would be pretty badass. You know, there 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 is a lot of connection between like Death Wish and and the Warriors both in this film. That's one of the things I was thinking about. Like, I mean, yeah. Isaac Hayes' crew could have been another one of those, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, gangs from the Warriors. Really? Yeah. yeah well, no, I mean, no. There's certainly a comic a, a comic book kind of cartoony aspect yeah. to how to how like villainy was portrayed in these movies. Like, it was all a little bit exaggerated. It was a little bit hyper realistic. Uh, yeah, but Isaac Hayes is great as the Duke of New York. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh hell yeah! And and, and, the, oh, and that car, yeah. man, that like Cadillac with like the <laughs> chandeliers like yeah. on the hood. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, where nobody really has cars, right? Like it's yeah. probably got to be really hard to get gas or to get. Well, they said know, like, yeah, like Brain. Than, that's why Brain has a job. Has like a, has a role because he can get he can make them work. Like he can either like steam or he getting gas or yeah, never really right. entirely clear, it was actually like, I, I rewatched it again today because you know I'm a, I'm a slacker just watching movies all day. Uh, I rewatched Escape from New York and uh, they they're actually getting consistent about how the cars work. And this is yeah. I know this is a grouping podcast. We're going to talk about the minutiae <laughs> of this movie, right. but uh, they mentioned that that, that that Brain figured out a way to run the cars on steam. But then later on, they talk about getting gas from him, too. So I don't know yeah. if they're just kind of slang calling his steam uh, stuff gas or if they use like a hybrid. Well, his, um, well, his name's Brain, and it's he's played by Harry Dean Stanton. I mean, let's come on, guys. The the, the immortal Harry Dean Stanton <laughs> yeah. from Repo yeah. Man and about a gazillion other movies. Yeah, I, I never he's quite like, understood like 500 that. 500 credits on IMDb. <laughs> but Best I never quite power. understood that because I'm yeah. like, here's, here's the, you know, Harry Dean Stanton, right? And like, then they're calling him Brain, like he's the smartest guy there. Like, oh, what's what? Well, he what probably happened? is. I mean, it's there's, yeah. not, there's not a lot of Mensa members in, in the maximum security, you know, dystopian like oh, yeah. city prison. You know. Oh yeah, that's, that's actually fair. That's actually really yeah. fair. 
Yeah. I mean, well, I mean we had to, in charge, man. Well, you had to order Ernest Borgnine, right, as the, yeah. the cab driver, right? I got. I, I love his introduction in the movie. It always cracks me up. Like Snake walks into like this theater, and there's like this this weird like like guys as women like play of them doing like a, a an original play about New York and now like like they're they're not like doing like a, a classic play. It's not Hello Dolly. It's actually a play about New York as a prison about how it's still fun to be there. And like everyone's kind of like bored or drunk or drunk or or drugged out, and Borgnine's just like grinning and like bobbing his head to the music. It always cracks me up so much. Mm-hmm. Borgnine is so like subtly hilarious in this movie. Yeah, like, like he's just so okay with being in this in this dystopian crap hole. Yeah, no, and the music that he listens to, he's just like show tunes or like whatever <laughs> whatever music he was listening to, right? Like I can't. The remember. one thing I will say though, for that entire little bit, like where they uh-huh. show, um, like the play, whatever. Yeah. Like okay, my original interpretation when I watched it like forever ago was it was like oh mm-hmm. like the, the reason those are all men is because like it's a prison so like, there's no women. But then they show you a woman like five minutes later, like when yeah, like he finds the truck full of nuts. So like then I was like, are they implying things about Cabby that I wasn't picking up as a child? Like I was like I don't know, yeah. but like maybe maybe those guys are like. Maybe who knows? Like, I mean, that's... maybe maybe just they couldn't find a lot of women who are interested in being in theater in this dystopian like hell reality they're in. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm too busy avoiding the mutants. I don't have time to learn lines in stage choreography. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to be eaten by cannibals in chuds. So. Well, I mean, it, it ah, only, it, this movie only had a budget of like six million. Let's let's be honest. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it, oh, it, no, it yeah. looks so good. With it's just, I, lo- I loved all the matte paintings and the miniature work in it. It's, mm-hmm. It looks so good, yeah. especially when compared to the awful CGI in the next one. But you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get into that. But like, yeah, um, the word "awful" is well, mean. Well, yeah, and, <laughs> and and I have some interesting notes about both those things. So, well, actually, but, no, well, not the CG of the second movie, but at least of okay. uh, at least of that. So. But going back, let's go back to the the whole plot and the whole like you know MacGuffin of this whole like film or sure. whatever, right? Like we have to suspend belief of all these things and like uh, where Pliskin has to find the president and so many times, otherwise he's gonna die, and all these like crazy characters that he comes across uh, to try to get you know to like try to complete his mission or whatever. And, uh, like I said, like, but, but yet, you know, and, and then the, the character of Pliskin himself, like the, the first comment that I made to you, I remember Matt, like when I watched it, I was like, I've never seen Kurt Russell have so few lines. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he, he probably, if you were, if you're all his lines down on, on like a sheet of paper, mm-hmm. it would probably be, if you use like, if you use like single space, it would probably be one page. Right. And then we don't get to know, like, he was this badass, like, guy, right? Like, government. He's a war hero, yeah. Yeah. Go- and then, like, now he's, like, in jail because he robbed a bank. Like, what happened? Well, there and was, And then everybody knows him because everybody, even even the people in New York, they know who he is, right? And they thought he was yeah. dead. Yeah. There was, like, a deleted opening, I guess. I've never seen it because I've heard it's just terrible. So, yeah. like, I've just, I've just never, I've never been that curious. But like I know it's on one of the Blu-rays or like mm-hmm. the DVDs or something where they showed it's the a, like original intro. Yeah, okay. it, it's a, it's on it's on it's on the special edition DVD and it's on the Shot Factory Blu-ray. Okay. Yeah, I have uh, both of those. It's uh, you get to see Fresno Bob. You know they they mentioned Fresno Bob like he, oh, right. when when he, when he's when he's yelling at Brain, he's like, do you know what they did to Fresno Bob? You actually wow. get to see like the high school wrong. 
And it's there I think the reason I mainly cut it was it's Snake Plissken before he lost both his eye before he lost his eye. So you see both his eyes in it and he's like fresh faced and he doesn't the whole the whole vibe of it's different. It really okay. is. I don't want any of that. No, yeah, no, I want none of okay. that. <laughs> what, well, part of what part of what part of what rocks about the escape movies is Snake Plissken is fully formed. Like he steps into this in this movie and he's just he has a complete backstory just in his look. Right. Yeah. You know, his, like, his like clothes, we don't, we don't his need boots, it. His, right. his stomach tattoo. Kind of like Rambo. Kind of like, he's just like, there, the guy, the thing, right? Like I, I feel like I should mention this. This is I know this is audio only, but Patrick actually has a snake, a, a snake Plissken-esque stomach tattoo. Oh. It's right. the Cobra right. Kai, but yeah. It's like, yeah. it's the Cobra Kai, but it's in the same position. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. But then he also like, this is the one of the character, you know, like people call him, uh, you know, Pliskin, and he's like, name Snake. And then they call him, you know, Snake, and he's like, name's Pliskin. It's like, because, okay, because all right, jerk. all right, yeah, because he's just, well, yeah. like, he's also, just yeah. trying to be a jerk. Yes, yeah, because Snake is an a-hole, not to swear, but, you know, because, yeah. I mean, he's our hero, we love him, but he's not a nice person. Yeah, because well, even I feel like it, his whole thing was, like, uh-huh. he was just being, like, basically like trying to like get them to be like i don't know like on his side almost but like once they're actually on his side he's like i don't want you on my side i want no i want nothing to do with you Mm -hmm. like because it was always like in like it's just the uh hauk like the the lee van cleef part where he's just like Mm -hmm. he wants him on his side until he actually has him there and it's just like nah no i don't i'm gonna just get on my merry way oh right so yeah like i i always look at it as like he wants to keep them keep them off balance you know like he has such a problem with authority and, and people trying to assume things about him. Like he is the he's a true blue antihero, and mm. he just doesn't want any kind of familiarity with them. So he's going to try to keep them all balanced however he can. Mm. But you, you brought up a good point, and Lee, that Lee Van Cleef is in, in this Lee Van Cleef of uh, the Good and the Bad, the Ugly, Day of Anger. You know the classic spaghetti western actor. It's this movie's also got Tom Atkins in it. Again, we talked about uh, Ernest Borgnine, mm-hmm. Adrian Barbeau. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got an amazing cast of cult movie actors. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Isaac Hayes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have no idea who. Pl- well, I had no idea who played the main like a uh, henchman, like with the spiky hair. Yeah, but it is a very old metal performance. Like I never like the first thing I think of. I swear to God, whenever I think of Escape from New York, is that guy. I don't yeah. know Char- why. Charles, but even before Snake, Charles Cyphers, I think. That's maybe. Maybe. Yeah, he, yeah, no, maybe. Charles Cypher is, is uh, he's in, um, he was the sheriff in Halloween. Okay. That's Frank, right, yeah. Frank Doubleday played a guy named Romero, and then Could John Strobel played Dr. Cronenberg, which I thought yeah, was I, interesting. I always like a little bit of horror movie director shout outs. Yeah. Because you don't right. think about that being that early, but that is a thing that happened. But there it is in 1981. Shout outs to George Romero and, and David yeah. Cronenberg. Yeah. I never even knew the Cronenberg thing, so that's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, his name, his character's name was, and I remember him mentioning it. And the movie, and I was like, "Yeah, he's, why is he talking about Cronenberg or whatever?" Like, I guess the name that sticks out to yeah. you once once you notice it. Yeah, yeah but no, they definitely use it yeah. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so to kind of, to kind of give this some direction, so you've never seen this before, Ryan, as we yeah. established. Yeah. So, what did you think of Snake Plissken's first adventure? Um, I remember you telling me like, uh, you know, Kurt Russell as uh, Clint Eastwood. And yeah, I mean that that's basically it. I mean, it's kind of like wrapped up in this weird, like you said, where it's kind of like all these like different movies, like, you know, kind of like 
you know, sort of like packed in together, right? Like, uh, like we mentioned the warriors and, and, and it's, it's got a little bit of like running man and a little bit of like, you know, all, all these like other things. Um, and I'm, and I'm blanking on some of the other movies, but, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's, um, for 1981, it's hard to believe that this was made in 1981 to be quite honest. And I, I thought if I would have sat down and watched it, I thought it would have been made like a lot later and not in 1981 for $6 million. And, uh, oh, no. but yeah, it, it is amazing. Like, um, uh, piece of film. Now, you know, a lot of like main characters die and like, he still like barely gets out like alive or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I still think that like the ending payoff is like really great. Um, you don't really ever know like the plan of how he's ever going to get, you know, out of the, uh, out of New York or whatever, but you know, he gets just enough help to, you know, get out of there. And to me, and, and, and I'd like Patrick to speak on this too. One thing I love about Escape from New York is that things constantly go wrong. Like nothing mm-hmm. goes to plan. Like that's oh, yeah. one of the fun things about this movie is it really does a good job of ratcheting up the tension because in a lot of ways it's structured like a horror film. Yeah. And, oh, and absolutely. It's, yeah. Like a, it's like an action horror hybrid. And part of it is that literally anything that can't go wrong is Snake's trying to complete his mission as he's trying to escape, all that stuff. Literally everything that can go wrong for him does go wrong. Yeah. I mean, from the moment of like, Oh yeah, we know where the president is or like even landing the plane, like lands a plane and he's like, Oh, it's going to be hard to take off, you know? Cause he like barely lands it. Doesn't have any takeoff room, you know, like fine. Okay. Here we exactly, we have a tracker on the president. Oh no. It's like some other guy, you know, he meets like uh, another it's girl who Buck, might be it's helpful. Buck, I guess yeah. it's actually Buck Flowers, the guy who has the uh, <laughs> who has the uh, arm thing. But right. Buck Flower is in a bunch of John Carpenter stuff. Like, right. I, mean, I always think yeah. of him as being as being the sellout in They Live. He's he's the hobo who basically <laughs> throws in with the aliens and they live and becomes a rich guy. Wow. We've got it pretty great now, boys. <laughs> you just have to play along. He's that guy. Yeah, you know? and, and uh, but then he meets like another girl who might be some help and like. Almost instantly, like yeah, yeah she's the Chuds get her. Like, <laughs> I always said Morlocks, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's Chuds is yeah, also fair. Yeah. I just like right. the word Chud. I try to use it as often as I can. I do love the word Chud. I like the film Chud. So yes, yeah. I am in no way disputing you know, Chud. Yes, thumbs at, up at the chop yes. full of nuts or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, we always thought it was a pretty funny little gag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, did I talk oh, about yeah. Wow. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, even from the beginning, about, like, no, about, that just clicked in my head. <laughs> have you never thought about that, that, that little line? That's a, no, that, I did not. It's such a Simpsons, such like a Simpsons style gag. The chock full of nuts, right when all the guy, all the crazies are running by. It makes sense now. Yeah. I don't know how it ever occurred to me before, but yes. The chock full of nuts learning, cafe or whatever, because yeah, we're learning coffee, new things on the video culture podcast. But yeah, so so I know I know you're a big horror fan, Patrick. Then you talk a little bit about the horror influences in this movie. Well, yeah, that thing is like, I mean, if you really like look at, I think the closest thing this is in terms of like comparative, like of another movie is when he did Assault on 313, like right before this, because mm-hmm. that is another similar thing where it's like you take, it's not even essentially like an action horror hybrid. Cause it's basically like he took Westerns and horror and it kind of became and like action movie by adding those two elements together. So it's like, it has his kind of mastery of both things. Mm-hmm. Whereas like he had kind of already proven with Halloween that like, and I mean, someone's watching me even before that, where it's like, he knew how to structure a scary scene. So like the stuff in that, that's very 
that's scary is legitimately scary. Yeah. Like they do make like the threats feel legitimately like the scene you're just talking about is a legitimate horror scene. Like it's like it's not like it's not it wouldn't be out of place in like something like the thing, like a couple like a year later yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but like, like yeah. Yeah, like what I was thinking about is is when he's first in the when he first goes into in, down the elevator to, to enter into New York, he's in that building, he's in the World Trade Center, which is a, a little weird in, you know, twenty twenty one. But you see that you see that first room and you see someone scurry behind oh, him suddenly. Hey, hey, wait! It was only 1997, bro. <laughs> oh yeah. In in the future, in the in the year 2000. Uh, it's a, but yeah, it's you're weird. right. There is that like cha 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 moment where they're like the person behind, you know. Yeah. No, like, yeah. He, he's such a master of of like widescreen compositions. Like like I never saw this on VHS. I never saw it pan and scan. I only ever saw it on DVD. Uh, so when when our original aspect ratio was a thing, I cannot imagine watching this movie with it being chopped into like four by three squares. I can't because to me it's such a wide film. Like the what's well, all of his stuff? Yeah, like exactly. If you watch it, anything less than like remember, um, I watched Halloween. I can't remember how many times before I actually had it on the DVD in the widescreen presentation. I never got the whole scene when you have um, Loomis and uh, the sheriff talking and Michael drives behind yeah. them. Never saw yeah. that because it was like, when they cut off, when you cut off the sides, you can't see that. Yeah. So he does stuff for you in the edges of the frame that once you take away that composition, it just doesn't work, yeah. which is a bummer. So like, that's why, that's part of why this movie works really well is also because it's, it's so open that like you can kind of feel all the stuff happening at the edges that can like jump out at you at a given time, and it, and it also feels desolate. It feels it feels yeah. it feels it feels like the end of the world. It really does. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you got like this like lone like warrior of the wasteland of to steal a phrase from Mad Max, but you got like yeah. this this like lone guy who, who's who's solely fitted for like to be like a man of action in this horrible time. Well, because there's not only I think a struggle. For the people just to like basically survive, right? But now he's got to survive, and he's got to tackle like the biggest, you know, the the guy, you know, and 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 take the president back and all this other kind of stuff. So yeah. it's like he's got a, a second, you know, secondary mission. It would be one thing just to be, you know, just to be there. Like nobody wants to be there, right? Like nobody wants to be there and and survive all that. And then he's got to do the most impossible thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. With well, very yeah, with very like, limited resources, right? With, yeah, so. you mostly yeah, well, I wanted to go back to you. Actually, you mentioned how everyone seems to know him, and that, that's a recurring theme in in yeah. these movies. Because I think he was a famous war hero. I mean, like they talk about they they did the kind of what they all what they always refer to as the how bad is, is he scene, like where they go through like the litany of things, the accomplishments. Like, oh, you've got two purple hearts. You've been accredited by two presidents. You know, you survived the battle of the some made a battle of of, of Leningrad. You know. Like all these fictional wars that we don't know about yet, because right. they didn't keep places. Because well, they didn't exist at the time, yeah. but it was like it was supposed to be like the 90s whole thing of like eighties or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the Cold yeah. War, so yeah. like of course Leningrad's going to come up. Like, exactly. and so like he's like this famous figure, and I think part of it is because he was an outlaw already, and in this world where where all the outlaws are getting thrown away like trash, the one that always escaped kind of became like to me he's kind of like a John Dillinger figure, mm-hmm. like he's seen like Robin Hood, mm-hmm. like he's become yeah, mythic. No. Yeah, no, totally. That's yeah, no. Well, yeah, yeah. Like the whole thing is like they. I, he's a he's a mercenary. Sure, I mean, I yeah. get it. Uh, but he's a mercenary, not not you know aligned with anybody else but himself, right? Like yeah. he's not. He's gonna gonna help out, uh, you know, whatever president 
British president that we have, right? No, <laughs> not, like he, he's not. He's not going on adventures. Like he means yeah. basically, like they they, they, call, they classify him in LA. They call him a gunfighter. Yeah, and that's kind. Of, he's just kind of a. He's just kind of a criminal. And like, uh, and I think I think in a world where 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 criminals are just again are so summarily rounded up and thrown away that anyone who can evade capture kind of becomes like a legend. Yeah, but I think guys done all these things and they just can't seem to catch him. But I think that you guys said it the best, though. Like one of the great greatest things about this movie, uh, not only is like you know Russell's performance and all that, it's just like creating this alternate world, this alternate universe yeah. that you can be placed in, that you can uh, like everything about it. And even though that you you know you kind of cut between these like lab scenes, which are very like sort of sci-fi, these like very dystopian like you know things, you still have a you know, there's still a direct vision that, you know, Carpenter was to be able to create and make it, even though as far-fetched as it is, is very believable. And, you know, it's very sort of fun to follow along, like, it, because it's, it, it, it is one sort of complete vision, you know? That, oh, yeah, it's, it's, le- it's legit world building. Right. Like, it's just like, it's in, in not, in not even a lot of effort. Like, it's like, because really, if you watch that movie, like, I mean, I guess most of it, they even just shot in, like, St. Louis. And, yeah. like, they would just do it super late at night, so like to basically try to get the streets as like desolate as they could. Mm-hmm. But it was like that's the whole thing is like in the end, that's kind of why you buy it because it feels so kind of weirdly otherworldly. Yeah. Like even though it's New York, like and it's like, but it's like it's a it's a New York doesn't really exist because mm-hmm. it was like it's alternate nineteen ninety seven. The nineteen ninety seven that never actually happened. Where <laughs> like God knows what was going on in the Cold War in nineteen ninety seven of that time. Like and this and, so, yeah. and, and so both like, these movies are like a, all happened in one day or one night film because you know you know he's got a certain amount of time to complete the mission or whatever too. So it's easily kind of like yeah, follow yeah, along. There's tick, the, ticking clock in both right, of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and it's smart because of the, of the lower budget. That way, you can limit your scope without having to t- to have like big set pieces because it's in such a limited time frame. Yeah, you don't have um, to explain a whole lot of time passing or anything else, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, or, or plans or, even just or like people, simple questions of like, why didn't he yeah. go there? Why didn't he go or, there? Or plotting to do this or plotting to do that. They just, yeah. you know, yeah. Or, uh, or if he does something kind of stupid, he's because he's in a hurry. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's kind of brilliant. It's brilliant in its simplicity. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's let's move on quickly. Uh, the um, what scene, Matt? I'll start with you. What scene would you fast forward or rewind? I I would well, it's saying I would fast forward through any of this. I would not fast forward through any of Escape from New York. I think I think it is a perfect example of what it's of what it's trying to be. It was a movie that kind of established the post apocalyptic film. That mm-hmm. along with Mad Max, of course. But mm-hmm. it, it really established a lot of the visual identity of that whole subgenre of film. And I think it's about perfect. I really do. I love everything about Escape from New York. I really do. I would not cut a thing out of it. So I wouldn't fast forward through any of it. Now, what I would rewind and watch over again, uh, I really love the intro. I, I love the scene where he's negotiating with Lee Van Cleef mm-hmm. when he's in Lee Van Cleef's office. And he's like, and Lee Van Cleef's like, we need your help, Snake. The president's been captured. And Snake goes, the president of what? <laughs> it makes yeah. me laugh every time. Yeah, it kills me every time. It's such, it's such. It, cause to me, that sums up Pliskin's character so well. He just doesn't give a crap, mm-hmm. and it's so perfectly stated in that one little bit of dialogue. Right. The president of what? I mean, it's amazing, right? Well, I mean, yeah, because he says, "Why should I care?" Like after that, but that's not yeah. his first. That's not his first response, right? 
Yeah. So what about you, Ryan? Well, what's what scene would you fast forward through, or what would you cut out of this film, or would you cut anything out of it? Uh, no. I'm. If there is anything, I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> I do have something I would cut out. Okay, well, let's hear it. That's no, okay. Uh the 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 everything before that, and I know that credits are really important. But remember, this is like the 1980s. It was like a like a whole four minutes before something happens. I think <laughs> all of the opening credits uh, were just like. Okay, just waiting for the film to start. Okay. I, I just always grew with a nice, like, synth soundtrack. Yeah, there was some, like, nice pad synth thing going on, but, you know, yeah. uh, just wanted wanted something to happen. Like, wanted, okay. wanted so, so what's your what's your rewind and saver moment then, Ron? Uh, the, oh, man. I I love the fight scene where they're, um, the, where, where he's, like, battling the, you know, in the. Oh, uh, where, where, he's, where he's fighting old-timey pro wrestler Ox all, Baker. Yeah, right. And then he's just like, yeah. oh, bat, bam, done. Like, and they're all just like, uh, what, yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, that was, that was fantastic. I, yeah. I, I, because it was like, you think it's going to last forever. And then he's like, no, nope, got him. And I always like the little detail. It's great. It's great production design. And that's, I always like that the ropes are actually tennis court, uh, nets. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I always like that little detail. What about you, Patrick? Oh, uh, is there anything that you would fast forward through on escape from New York? Absolutely not. Not even, not, no, not even a little bit. Like, I don't believe in perfect films. I've talked about that, like, in Twitter and stuff before, where it's just, I feel like art in general, the whole point is that it's not perfect. But, like, that movie is close. Like, I mean, it's, I mean yeah, there's something I could possibly... I, I do get your point about, like, the credit sequence, but at the same time, as, like, as Matt said, like, I do love that music. And also, I feel like that's another thing of, like, kind of the Western thing was if you watch, like, old westerns, because basically, like, until, like, Star Wars, there wasn't really, like, credits to the end of movies. It was all mm-hmm. the beginning of movies. So they kind of, I feel like you kind of get used to, like, those big, elaborate opening credit sequences mm-hmm. in, like, westerns and stuff, if you watch, like, Rio Bravo again. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's what they were kind of doing, was it was kind of being evocative of that. Yeah. So, like, I see your point, but I was, at the same time, I'm like, I would, I, I still like that. But, like, yeah, no, like, my... I, I have nothing that I would take out. Yeah, so, I, like, I think, no. but I, but I think I think it's just my my modern you know perspective of you know oh, of yeah. totally more used to movies that just like have very little credits and then and then and then we're off, uh, you know. So to, so to like watch it, just... so yeah, so yeah, it's just a clear warning for somebody turns it on. It's just like, okay, is this movie going to start? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. It's it's probably longer. Uh, than some movies, probably even from the era. So, so, uh, but now, but on the positive, what's what's the scenes that you always want to go back to and rewatch? What's your rewind and watch it again to savor it moment? I mean, oh god, like pretty much all of it. But like the main thing that I think of, the first thing I think of is the whole like you guys say chuds, I like Morlocks, <laughs> but like with the, the with the, the chuds, like coming up through the floor and then the whole sequence of him like like running away from them and like trying to like take out what he can and like basically just trying to stay alive because like that whole bit is like just perfect like carpenter of like the horror and then like you have the action you have it all jammed together into one just beautiful Reese's Peanut Butter Cup of Wonderfulness mm-hmm. Agreed it's a great, that's a great, it's a great sequence for yeah. sure So we'll move on to 1996 so there's a whole well, it was like 15 years before they made a sequel to Escape from L.A. Uh, now, it was written... Uh, now, Escape from 
New York was written and directed by John Carpenter. Uh, Escape from L.A. was directed by Car- John Carpenter, but it was written by three people, right? It was written by uh, John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, and Kurt Russell, which this is Kurt Russell's only like writing credit. And uh, so he basically came up with a lot of the ideas and things like that for uh, this movie. They tried to like get it done. So I'll just uh, do a, a quick little synopsis of it real quick. So the year is 2013 and Snake Pliskin is back. But this time it's L.A., which is going through the agency of earthquakes and has become an island of the damned. But something has gone wrong in this new moral order because the president's daughter has been absconded to L.A. with a detonation device, and Snake is commandeered to retrieve it. But just below the surface, there is a coiled snake ready to strike. Hey, I love anyway. Actually, Anthony Pier- Pieria uh, wrote both of the synopsis from the one I read before, so... Uh, uh, shout, shout out to him. Thank you for letting us steal your work. Yeah, Please thanks. don't sue us. So, well, I mean, he put it on imdb.com. So thanks for, for IMDb for allowing that, uh, you know, to have it. But yeah, it's, it's you know, uh, the things that we always fear that these, uh, you know, the earthquakes are going to just like separate California or separate like L.A. And there's just be a like separate island out there. And then like it's so bad and so like horrid and everybody out there is like so terrible like they're just like oh not even part of the United States anymore right like yeah yeah and then now it, and it's well, it's, it's not a jail of, like, it's just not yeah. the US it's just like kind of I mean it is and it isn't like it basically it's, yeah it's like these where the undesirables yes. go but it's like also because like they turned everything it's like okay it's more terrifying now than it was before the whole idea of like oh hey if you don't follow these certain moral like codes laws whatever then you get shipped yeah. off. Like it's not that you broke a like broke a law. Like it's not like you robbed a bank. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like it's like oh you ate meat. You're you going to L.A. with cigarette. all like, the yeah, morlocks. You smoked a cigarette, or you, <laughs> you, you know, a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. Or, or or you're um the one that I stood out to me is oh you're Muslim. You know. Oh yeah, there's a lot of yeah. There's there's yeah. It's <laughs> to be honest with you. After the past, not to get political, we try to we try not to bring that into the show. But for the past four years. You know, we all know what happened in the world. I couldn't, I couldn't rewatch Escape from L.A. I, I love Escape from L.A. I couldn't rewatch it because it didn't seem that far fetched to me anymore. Like, like you, you were absolutely like, correct. Like, 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 you know, crazy, crazy Uncle Ben from Spider Man as the president. You know, yeah, he freaked me out. He reminded me way too much of what we were dealing with. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. That's that's, that's kind of what I. I landed in the same place, but at the same time, it was also like I was watching it as kind of like a cathartic thing where it made me feel better to like, hey, it's a world where like there's a guy who can like stand up and like ruin that guy's America. Yeah. Like, which yeah, again, let's have that which guy. Which again sums up the appeal of Snake Plissken. He's, he's, the, he's the ultimate anti-authority hero. Mm. Like, yep. It doesn't matter even 100%. what the authority is. He's against it. You know, he's like the so, – yeah. so, so what, what are you rebelling against? Well, whatever you got, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, basically. Well, that was like, yeah, like the like the 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 ending of the movie is my favorite thing in the entire Snake Plissken canon. It may be one of my maybe just... one of my all time top five favorite endings ever, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so yeah, Escape from L.A. Basically, it's Escape from New York, but campier. Mm. Okay, I, I, this this is what I will say because a lot of people don't like Escape from L.A. 
Uh, like and like and that's fine. I get it. I don't. I John Carpenter attests that it's better than Escape from New York, which I don't think is true. No. However, I do think it is better than it gets credit for being because basically, like '90s Carpenter always get kind of like brushed to the side, and I still think it's awesome. Like it's basically the same movie. It's, it's like it's like kind of like Gremlins and Gremlins Two, where it's like it's the same movie, but it's like a parody at the same time. Yeah. So that's kind of why it works for me now. This is because it gives you different flavors. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't know. It works for me really well. Like I get people not liking it, but for me, it works. Well, I think, I think for I, you. Wait, I'm just go, saying. Go I, I will say like uh, the 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 MacGuffin or whatever the plot or whatever is a lot more convoluted. Like, okay, yeah, we're throwing Kurt Russell, yeah, LA is like this weird, you know, place where we throw on desirables. That's not like a whole hard to believe. But like what keeps the movie going is like he's gotta get something and then like get out. And the last time it was like, oh you gotta get the president and he's got the tape and you gotta get it out. Real easy to understand. Like, okay, I got it. This movie, something about the president's daughter, but then the president's daughter's like conspiring against him. And then there's like this weird device that can target things. It just gets like way too complicated, you know, because you don't really quite understand like where. So, so what are we doing? So we're doing this to protect like, so it's, it's not as clear. He knows he's got to get the president's daughter and this, like whatever the device is, but like why we need to do this is a little bit more uh, crazier. And yes, then you throw in all the campier stuff. You throw in like the com- you have more comedic elements with Steve Buscemi, you know, as like the comic relief, uh, as Eddie, the map to the stars, Eddie, uh, and then all this crazy like CGI stuff with them surfing, like these big tidal waves and whatever. So it just it, it just gets a little more uh, a little it, more involved, it, it, and it's broader for yeah. sure. And he meets more. He he needs you know, more wilder, zanier characters to help him out in this plot because this is, you know, it seems to be a lot harder than the last time. So it's where, like, Pam Greer gets involved, you know. Uh, You also have, like, other wild characters like Bruce Campbell playing, like, the Surgeon General Beverly Hills. Which is such a great villain thing. It's such a great villain name. Yeah. That just just sounds terrifying, you know? Yeah. Uh, Dude, he's... Guys are just in robes. They're, they are terrifying. Yeah, I mean, and and like even like with the makeup effects when they take them off, like it's still terrifying. Yeah, I I, I wanted more of of Bruce Campbell. I wish he would have been like I he did that one cameo. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did that one cameo, but I, I was hoping that he would show up a little bit more, you know, later on. But it yeah. was it was more kind of a detour kind of a thing. But still, well, to me, Bruce Campbell. I mean, as good as as George Carfasi, I may be mispronouncing his name is, but. But as good as he is as Quervo Jones, and he's good. I mean, he, he's a good foil for, for Pliskin. Uh, but, I mean, he's not he's not Bruce Campbell. Oh, right. You know? No, oh, yeah. He's not. I mean, Bruce Campbell is just... Well, he's... <laughs> I mean, he's Bruce. You know, he's Ash. You know, he's he's a yeah. singular presence. Yes. Well, I feel like that's the whole thing. Is like the whole thing with... uh, uh just going to say Quervo Jones. Jones. Like, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, but, like, I feel like the whole thing with him was it was... It's not subtle, that he's doing like a no, Che Guevara no. riff. I would not use subtle of anything in this movie. Yeah, very Che Guevara, <laughs> very blatant, right? Like wearing the hat, yeah. like looking yeah, yeah. the part, like is the whole the whole deal. Yeah, right. 
Which I mean, I get what they were going right. for, but yeah, like that's, that's yeah. And like, then he also has like Talisma, right? He also has this other character that's going to help him, and then like she gets like shot almost like right away, almost like the same thing with it. The- it follows a lot of the structural beats of the first one. That's what people call it. Yeah. Think, think of it as almost like a like a remake of of Escape from New York because structurally it follows a lot of the same story beats. Mm-hmm. They're just yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. It's, it, which yeah, is, it's basically almost like Mad Libs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to me, it's it's fine though because to me, it's just an, another adventure of Snake Plissken. I think I think being a guy who grew up on com- on comic books makes this more okay. I just look at it as another installment of the just the latest issue of Snake Plissken. You know. All oh, right. Yeah. No. To, I that, get it. Yeah. Well, that's like um. Yeah, that's like um. Uh, I remember I talked to somebody after I saw Suicide Squad, and like part of the reason that I like the movie and everybody hates it is I was like, it's basically Escape from New York with supervillains. How do you not think that's amazing? Like I was just like, I get everyone hating this movie, but it's basically structurally Escape from New York, but with like Deadshot and Harley Quinn in it. Like I was like, that's just rad to me. I'm sorry, it just is. Like I, I'm sorry. It just that's that's my own personal like. That's why I like it. It's like the whole idea of like. Going in, like, trying to do some sort of phlebotanum, MacGuffin, mm. whatever, and get out without a trace, like ninjas, <laughs> that never goes to plan. That's just yeah. brilliant to me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's just me. Like, I, I, yeah, you could say it's a flaw of Escape from L.A. that, that it hit, that it hews too closely to that formula. Uh, it doesn't. It, it bothered me for a while, but now I just look at it again. It's, it's more time to hang out with this character I like. You know, it's just it's just, yeah. like, it's just another installment of the Snake Plissken show. Well, what else are you gonna I have? Dig. What else yeah. are you gonna have Snake Plissken do? Right? Like, it's not I, like that's Indiana. A great question. Jo- I it's don't not, know. He's not like Indiana Jones, right? He's a one-trick yeah. pony kind of guy. Like, he's like he's got to do something badass and get out of it. But to do it, you got to motivate him with death. You know. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, to be fair though. I mean, like, Indiana Jones is kind of the same thing, where basically it's just, like, you drop him into a scenario and then just watch him kind of scramble to, like, stay alive. So it is kind of a similar yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, a yeah, little I, bit. I, I mean, that's what action heroes always are, right? Like, yeah. yeah. But go ahead, Matt. Well, well I think the, the rumored esca- uh, third escape film, which never happened, well, it sort of did happen, but we'll talk about that at the end. <laughs> but the rumored <laughs> yeah. third escape film, which is going to be called Escape from Earth, Probably would have been a little different, uh, but we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, th- I think that, like like Ryan was saying, they probably thought that that Pliskin was too. And again, I love the character; it's one of my all-time favorite characters in film. But it was a little too one note to sustain any other kind of plot, which I don't agree with. But I could see why maybe they thought they had to stick to that formula. Mm-hmm. No, I mean I get it. Like it's just like I don't know. I I also think that like a part of it was also just like that was. It was Carpenter thinking that he was because, as I said, like he's he's talked about how he thinks it's a better movie. So, like, I feel like this also might have been just him trying to correct what he sees as mistakes or something of that nature. Yeah. Like by making this, I don't agree with him, but like that might have been what he was going. Yeah, for. well, you know, we, yeah. we've often talked about that. Often, often creators aren't necessarily the best judges of their own work. Well, he had know? he had a bigger yeah. budget. He had, you know, uh, yes. a bigger, like, better cast. I mean, come on, it had Stacey Keach in it, you know. <laughs> Stacey Keach is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it had, it had Peter Fonda in Peter it. Fonda, Peter Fonda, right? Like, uh, okay, yeah, the bigger thing, explosions. You the money, though. Like, there, there, were, there were much bigger explosions. The fighter scenes were badass. I mean, heck, they were, like, in a yes. helicopter, like... You know, it, it was... Everything was ramped up. I mean, obviously, everything was ramped up. Um, and then also Pliskin had like more, 
you know, weapons and stuff like that. Like he was more prepared. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was definitely, you know, they weren't just like running across the bridge to get out. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like that sort of stuff. So I think the excitement, like of everything is kind of like really ramped up and, and even is, is, you know, as campy as like the, the tidal wave, <laughs> the tidal wave. But yeah, I mean, it, it's that type of stuff, right? Um, so uh, it's still fun. It's it's I mean, it's yeah. still, I, I mean, but I it is great. I mean, yeah, yeah. And Pam Greer well, the- playing like a trans woman. It's just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which that I'm not 100 sure of though. Is it, it, it supposed oh, to be like? I, so that's genuinely a question that I have. Is like, is it supposed to no. be that like? Trans or like a, like a transvestite? Yeah. Like I no, was she, our character was a trans, sure. like it's, trans woman. Yes. Okay, so it's full yeah. blown transgender. And, okay, I was like, that was like, and like, was and like it's like it's almost progressive, but then it's not. But I guess for the time period, it's pretty progressive. Uh, it's a little weird with twenty twenty one eyes, but you know, it is what it is. You got to take it for it, it, you got to take it for the time it was made. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, think, I, I thought, thought it was, was like, done as, t- the, as the, tasteful as you could be i mean it, for, no for yeah like that's yeah. like it's like i mean yeah like it was just like i mean considering also the people like involved weren't necessarily like i mean it's all boomers so like the fact that it's progressive at all is kind of amazing in and of itself right that that's very true yeah yeah they, but yeah can you imagine like john carpenter like going oh yeah we're gonna have jack carjack malone uh it's, it's gonna be played by pam greer and they go oh, what, what do what you know, <laughs> I mean, we're gonna modulate her voice to make it deeper. Like, yes. I, can, I can see they were really confusing some studio executive somewhere. Like, yeah, 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 for sure. That's I mean, probably yeah, one of the fights like, that well, yeah, John that's Carpenter thing got is in. Like, right? Oh, for sure. What's well, my whole thing is like the thing I still think is weird is like you mentioned like they spent more money. I'm like, I don't understand why they gave him so much money for a movie that like was, like, you hadn't even heard of, like, the original one. Mm-hmm. You'd never, like, heard of it, seen it, whatever. Like, I'm not entirely sure where they were like, yes, let's spend a ridiculous amount of money uh-huh. on this. Like, nothing about this screams, like, throw money at this film to me. But, like, yeah. they did, and it's awesome. I'm not unhappy about it, but, well, like... I think Kurt Russell was was signed on. I mean, um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I know he wanted to do the part again, but he still, had still Carpenter. good lord. Like, I was just right. like... Yeah, it is weird that they thought it was going to be some big hit, and they and they really did because, like I said, they they got all those those top tier bands to be on the soundtrack. It got a big like 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 commercial push. There were commercials for it everywhere when it came out. Uh, they thought it was going to be a big film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I thought it was. The thing is, like, I mean, I I went to the website all the time back in the day when I was a child. So like, yeah, no, totally. Like, I was like, I was excited for it. I just was not old enough to actually go. Mm-hmm. But like, but yeah, but you got to remember the, the, the I mean, marketing was clearly working. Following you know, like Die Hard and all these other action films. I mean, this is during the action film like heyday, right? Like T two hadn't been made yet, right? Like so, yeah, we're, we're, you know, no doubt that that great period where we could get like mid budget action films in theaters, right? Know? Yeah, yeah, no, that well, yeah, it was it's like, like Die it was, Hard two with a vengeance. Also the weird time. Was, or Die Hard two, that, that, or Die Hard two, that's two and three. Uh, no, Die Hard was it. Anyway, go ahead. Keep no, going. I'll the, look it up. Sam, I'll look it up while you're talking. Are you thinking about the one with Sam Jackson that starred with a vengeance? No, go ahead, Patrick. I'm uh, sorry. Oh, no. It was just like there was a weird thing I've talked about before where it was just like there was a weird thing in the 90s with genre where they were like 
the, the thing that was kind of bubbling through was like, as you mentioned before, like most people were watching like Quentin Tarantino and like Kevin Smith and like they wanted like newer, realistic stuff. And then so studios were just throwing every goddamn thing at the wall trying to find like, hey, let's this movie. It's like it's but it's even like when something caught, it was almost like a surprise. Yeah. Like when Scream made a kajillion dollars, it was like, oh my god, a horror movie made money. Like we need to make more of these. We need to do it now. A dozen of them. Order them like, right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can agree. You're right. This does seem kind of like it was kind of like they were yeah. trying to look for what, what they could build a franchise around because they, they didn't know what was going to work because because of the recent indie boom. And you can see that the indie boom obviously affected it because Steve Shimmy's in it. You know. Yeah. And that's. Well, yeah. yeah, that was the moment when C. Buscemi like seemed like he was going to be like. I mean, he still. I, mean, I guess he is like a big star, but not like a big. Yeah, star. but Di- like, uh, but, right, but Die Pink, Hard with a Vengeance yeah. was nineteen ninety five. That's the movie that I was thinking of. Die Hard two is the okay, one yeah. in, the, in okay, the airport, okay. but Die Hard yeah. with a Vengeance was ninety five. Yes. So it was like a year before. The, I mean, so that's that's the era that we're talking about. That this is you know, this is that time period. This is before, uh, I mean, uh, Terminator two and all that kind of stuff. So, no, totally. I mean, I'm saying like the '90s is like the weirdest time for genre. If you look at like genre movies, like not to say that they weren't awesome because many of them were awesome, but it was like the time where like the studios didn't know what people wanted anymore because yeah. <laughs> they were like, well, you don't want like this, you don't want this, you don't want that. Like it's like so they just keep making. It's like so they make even like if you look at like, the Schwarzenegger and like Stallone movies back then, it was like the weirdest Schwarzenegger and Stallone movies, like. Eraser and like Demolition well, Man. We're just like, yeah. they're like, we don't know what people like anymore, you know, so we're just going to try this. You so, know? Yeah. yeah, this is an uh, action movie and it's campy because it says it's a uh, comic book or whatever, right? So, yeah. 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 Batman was yeah. popular. Let's try that Batman, again. You yeah, know, that kind so, of thing. Yeah. They really didn't know. And I think that's why they kind of approached the Escape franchise. They thought, well, this is something that we can go to franchise around if it's popular. Like, Carl was a big movie star. It, had, it looks like a kind of character that would catch on. You could put it on a poster, you could put it on a T-shirt, you could put it on a lunchbox, right? And and, they, and Escape from actually, Escape yeah. from New York's <laughs> kind of got a, a little bit of a cult following. Maybe we can catch some of that, you know. So and that's why I think it's so. That's why it's bigger. That's why it's broader. That's why it's more colorful. Um, but it's still kind of a it's still kind of a, a, a misanthropic, mean spirited movie, just with a little bit of a goofier edge. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. Well, I feel like yeah, I, mean, I feel like kind of can describe a lot of Carpenter stuff yeah. where it's like, I wouldn't say it's all like necessarily like mean spirited, It's but I feel like sure. it's definitely yeah. got a, Oh, it's definitely got like a cynical tone right. to it. <laughs> like there's nothing that's like romantic Carpenter. Yeah, well, like it's like all, I had a chance to sit and talk with him in person once. And it's very much his vibe. Like, like he, he was a nice man, but he was not uh, suffering any fools. Like he was very kind of, I, I don't want to say gruff, but he was a little bit surly. But not in like a mean way. Mm-hmm. He used to he used to he didn't like he didn't dance around things, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, every interview I've ever watched with him basically suggests that. So yeah, like. all right. So uh, all right, Pat. So uh, we gotta we gotta keep moving because we've been talking like a long time. Uh, yes. What scenes would you fast forward or rewind through in Escape from L.A.? I still i I would not fast forward through anything. Like, even the things that are, like, let's say sketchy in terms of special effects, like, I'm not going to say awful, because that's mean. But, like, let's say sketchy in terms like, even that, I still think it's charming, and it works for me in the context of the movie. Like, my favorite bit, there's actually two. There's one at the very mm-hmm. end, 
which I'm not going to say. Oh, we'll, right. I'll wait till we get there, whatever. But um, but the other thing is uh, the whole sequence. Actually, I guess it's another chase sequence. Now that I think about it, um, where it's him and the parade, where it's like basically he does the whole thing with the motorcycle, and then it ends up like on the ground, like with all the dudes, and mm-hmm. they do the full blown like Mexican standoff, where it's just like do a little Bangkok rules, and mm-hmm. like when it sits to the ground, draw, and then it just kills them all, and then it's like, and then, then it hits the thing, and like, draw, mm-hmm. and I'm like that's. Brilliant! I love every part oh, of that yeah. moment. Oh like, yeah, that, that would be the yeah, thing that, I point that, to. Yeah, I, I totally get you. All right, Matt, your turn. Okay, as far as that, we fast forward. I mean, it's kind of be obvious, but some of the ropey special effects are, you know, I've grown to be okay with them. But like, like the surfing stuff looks really bad. There's no other way around it. I mean, it's it's really janky. Like, like only Shot Factory Blu-ray. They had the special effects guy who was in charge of that. And he literally apologizes for it. <laughs> He was like, because he, he he'd only he'd only been a he'd only been working in movie special effects for a couple of years, and he's like, I just didn't know how I was too ambitious. I didn't know quite what I was doing, yeah. and I tried to do more than I was able to. <laughs> well, that's, that's fair. A, I mean, you know, that's a, that's know, a hard kudos, thing to admit. Kudos to him for being that that humble and that. Yeah. But I mean, but and still, it's fun. It's fine. But I wish his effects were a little bit better. You can't cut them out because it ruined the flow of the movie. Mm. But I always cringe a little bit when the when those scenes come up. Yeah. I I I mean I loved uh, Steve Buscemi's part, but yeah, that was probably the scene I'd probably fast forward. And and what you know what's funny is that it was probably the only scene I actually rewind. So it was like if you if we're actually talking about physically rewind, I actually did rewind it, but it was more kind of like a disbelief. Going, are, are you serious? Is it, what what happened? I missed it. You well, blinked and like well, he was riding Steve a wave, and now he's on the back of Buscemi's car. Yeah, now he's yeah, driving Buscemi's, the car. Like what is happening? Agree. So, yeah. They have that great reaction shot of Bushimi where he sees him. He's supposed to be shocked that he's supposed to look like he's shocked that the snake is behind him, yeah. but really, he just look, it looks like he's just shocked by the bad special effect. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I watched it while it was like multitasking, which I probably shouldn't, because yeah, because in one moment he's like on the wave, and then like I look up again, he's like driving the car, and yeah. I'm like, why, why? Anyway, you, you uh, gotta actively watch these things, right? Yeah. You gotta actively uh, watch. I'm them. sorry. Uh, but Pat, Shame. no, I, but no, so I'll take, I'll take a little bit of, of both of yours. Uh, I agree. Matt, the ending though is, is fantastic. To me, like, Bad, the, entire payoff, movie, it, the entire movie is justified by just that, that mean spirited fourth wall breaking, like last few moments of the film. It's one to me. It's one of my all time favorite endings, period. Like if I was going to make a top five list of my favorite endings, Carpenter would have, have a few spots on it, mm-hmm. but Escape from LA would be on there. Because that's one thing he definitely improves on from the first film. The ending of Escape from L.A. is so cool. Mm. No, yeah. The, well, I, I will say, though, I don't think it's mean-spirited. I just think it's like him making a statement about where the yeah. world was yeah. or is. Yeah. Where it's like, it's a because basically the whole thing is basically he's just like, I mean, it's kind of prophetic. Because it's like basically him saying, like, technology is the problem and, like, we... Like, as humans, like, need to get back to being humans. Right. Whether that, that right. line is like, welcome to the yeah, human race. Yeah, because where, cause where like, he just came from and what just... he's just, you know, experienced both in, you know, New York or whatever and in LA, like, he's like, this is messed up. This is effed up. You, you guys got to start yeah. over because we can't wind up here again. You know what I mean? That's basically yeah. what he's well, saying. Well, to me, yeah. it's saying that, well, I, I said mean spirit, again, it's misanthropic. It's like, it's things are so, are so screwed up that we have to burn it all down and start over again. Mm. And, that's and bad. you know, it's just, it's it's just it's so cool. I mean, it's I mean, it's a little on the nose, and then finding the cigarettes that say American Spirit. Though a little fun fact for you, though, <laughs> I smoked for many years. 
and I smoked American yeah. spirits because of this movie. Mm. When, and when they say that you know movies influence kids to smoke and do terrible things, I can never quite <laughs> argue with that because I smoked American spirits for for a decade because of Snake Plissken. So I, and I, I will freely admit that. All right. All right, fun, fun stuff. All right, so let, let's get to the notes, shall we? Let's uh, do it. All right, Give escape me some trivia, brother. Uh, escape from New York, nineteen eighty-one. We'll see how much of this trivia you guys actually know or don't know. So, uh, all right, escape. John Carpenter originally wrote the film between nineteen seventy-four and nineteen seventy-six as a reaction to the Watergate scandal, but no studio wanted to make it because it was deemed too dark and too violent. That all changed after the success of Halloween in 1978. Which is always right. the way it works. Where it's just like, as I was talking to you beforehand about like why Bill and Ted 3 finally happened was because of John Wick. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like once you have well, like a hit, it's like, oh, hey, what else do you want to do? Yeah, Anything well, you want to do is fine. I mean, that's what Ben Stiller like recently like complained about. Like you're, you're only as, you know, your, your clout or your influence is only as good as your last, you know, film or whatever. And, uh, you know, but... Anyway, um, that's what he's complaining about Hollywood about or whatever. But also, uh, you know, in, instead of like your body of work or instead of like whatever, I mean, why can't they just be artists and create stuff? And sometimes it lands and sometimes it doesn't. But that doesn't mean that like you should get your, you know, budget handed from you or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Show business, uh, brother. Show business. You're right. Yeah. It is a business. Uh, but usually the business – Comes first a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. All right. But business show um, would be weird. It's like we're in Bizarro world. <laughs> 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 like a Yoda world. Business show. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, but yeah, but I, I found it interesting that it was about like Watergate. Like he thought of this idea because of Watergate and like some tapes and like the print and all that kind of stuff. That's where he kind of got the idea. Uh, well, also I feel like it was yeah. It was just also just like it's, it's easier to be. It was. Really easy to be cynical about America yeah. after Watergate. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Afco Embassy Pictures, the film's financial backer preferred either Charles Bronson or Tommy Lee Jones to play the role of Snake Pliskin. Others included Chuck Norris, Nick Nolte, and Jeff Bridges. I can I can see all of those, and that'd be a really weird alternate reality. To go through and like watch each version of that with those guys in the role. Like, Tommy, they, they Tommy, Lee Jones, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones at that age, you have to you have to think about you have to go back and look at pictures of him from that time period. That's like Rolling yeah, Thunder okay. time period. He was he was actually a pretty young, handsome guy at one point. And I know he seems like perpetually ancient, but I promise he wasn't always old or anything. Oh, right. You know, okay. Or Chuck, I was saying like at this point was this like Under Siege era? Like I mean, I Under Siege know. era, he still looked well, like okay. anyone. It was like that was like ten years later. So I think it's Escape from LA. New York. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, Escape <laughs> from New York, nineteen eighty one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chuck Norris, Nick Nolte, Jeff Bridges. Oh. I mean, Charles Bronson, I right. definitely yeah. see. <laughs> like, That's, that was their first <laughs> choice. Was uh, But yeah, that makes um, sense. Carpenter refused to cast Bronson on the grounds that he was too old and because he worried <laughs> that he could lose directorial control over the picture with an experienced actor. So that's fair. Oh, the thing, the thing you guys mentioned before about Kurt Russell trying to break away, I was, I was like, to me, he's always been like a badass like but, i never because i never like i was not alive when he but, was like but i mean you go back and watch those disney films and you're like what the heck man and yeah, if, if and if you think well, about he went it back like, to that too but. i was looking at kurt russell's uh uh like filmography and he did the elvis movie with uh like the tv movie 
1978 or whatever with uh, with Carpenter. And then that was in 79. Then he did Used Cars. Then he did Escape from New York. Uh, the Fox and the Hound, he played like a voice thing. And then he did The Thing. You know? So it's just like, he did like three big movies right there. And that, like you were saying, uh, Matt, that like totally shaped his adult career after that. Like, like they were very intentional choices. I mean, the only thing I can think to describe for, for our younger listeners uh, is imagine like a young, imagine like Justin Bieber went away for like five years and came back all grizzled and was suddenly the lead in an action film. That's what it would be. That's what it would be like. And uh, mm. I don't even know if that's a dated reference now. I'm completely disconnected from youth pop culture, but, uh, yeah. but that's the best thing I, I can think of. And that's, that's, that's the equivalent. Like, like Kurt was a big famous actor as a kid, but he was known for very wholesome movies. Yeah. So he very intentionally deconstructed that image. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell. Yeah. Oh no, I get no, it. I just and, never, and, I've and never he, seen him. So and he like, campaigned I never... hard to be uh, uh, on the movie. And matter of fact, the eye patch was also his idea. Uh, so, anyway, I mean, Russ- Snake Plissken, in a lot of ways, his character. I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, it was written oh, totally. by Carpenter, but that was that was a joint creation between the two of them. Uh, it Russell, really is. like, oh, okay. totally. yeah. go ahead. No, I was going to say yeah, it's a joint creation between Kurt Russell and John Carpenter for sure. Like they both kind of threw in their ideas to make the character what it is. Uh, Russell stayed in character in between takes, and although he would take off the eye patch because it would uh, affect his depth perception and also sometimes give him headaches. Makes sense. So, uh, so, yeah. Uh, Russell also stated that Snake is a, quote, a mercenary, and his style of fighting is a combination of Bruce Lee, the Exterminator, and Darth Vader, with Eastwood's vocalness. <laughs> sure. Okay. I mean, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's also stated that uh, Snake Plissken uh, is one of his favorite characters. And, uh, yeah, that he did base his performance, like, on Clint Eastwood. I mean, that's that's pretty obvious, right? Like, Yeah. It's, well, yeah, that's. Like, I remember I heard him say, like, he like he didn't really have the character figured out until he, like, got on a set with Lee Van Cleef, and he basically just kind of did King Eastwood. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, that's fair. Well, like, as much as Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China is John Wayne, I mean... Yeah, John Wayne, yeah. This is, right, this yeah. is Clint Eastwood, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carpenter suggested shooting uh, Escape from New York in a backlot, like a studio uh, production backlot, but production designer Joe Alivis... I can't A L I V E S. He rejected uh he rejected using that and said no. He found a perfect location in East St. Louis. So it's like St. Louis on the Illinois side because it was filled with old buildings and had a quote CD rundown quality. Yeah. I like that's how you describe <laughs> any place. Where it's like it has a CD rundown yes. quality. You hear no, me, but they Mayor? did because they thought about like, we can't shoot there. this in New York, obviously, because there's just way too many people around. So we have to shoot it somewhere else. So they found like the worst looking city. So sorry, St. Louis, the time in 1981 and over on the Illinois side, it's a, that was that was where it was shot. They actually had to like turn off the power for like ten blocks for like the the whole look to you know of of, of that uh, uh, to be carried out or whatever. So. Um, which worked out. I mean, I, th- I think it looked awesome. I mean, you, I mean, it, it, it definitely fits for sure. Um, where was I at? 
the Liberty Island scene, along with the morning of Manhattan, where a helicopter is seen, is the only scenes where the film was shot in New York City. Yeah. Here's yeah, another part sense. that you would like, Matt. Certain matte paintings were rendered by James Cameron, who was mm-hmm. at the time a special effects artist with Roger Corman's New World Pictures. Yeah, it's as sad as it is, not only is James Cameron a disgustingly talented director, the guy can paint very, very well. Mm-hmm. It's almost unfair how talented oh, yeah. he, uh, James Cameron is. Yeah, so some of those backdrops were painted by Cameron, yeah, uh, who was also one of the directors of cool photographer. Detail. Yeah, he's also credited as one of the directors of photography. Yeah, there's actually yeah. like behind the scenes photos of him literally painting the matte paintings, and they're on the internet if you want it, if you're so inclined to go search for them. Uh, the model, if the model city uh, set, like the computer renderings and all that, were um, like looked familiar, it is because the the model city and set was repainted and reused for Blade Runner just one year later. That uh, yeah. I didn't know. That's, That's pretty cool. cool. That I yeah, there know. was a wire yeah. frame with like reflective tape. Like it would use like a black light. That and I do then know. They'd yeah, use yeah. like the reflective tape and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, that I knew. I didn't know yep. they used it for Blade Runner. Uh, Snake Plissken's weapon used throughout the movie is a Mac 10 fitted with a rifle scope that is mounted on a sound suppressor. He also uses a Smith & Wesson Model 67 with a scope mounted on it. So just for yeah, just for those okay, gun I will enthusiasts say. that, you know. <laughs> I don't know anything about guns. That gun seems really unwieldy for yeah. no reason yeah. is like all it, I'm saying. Like it totally like, looks like they tried to make something that looked exaggerated. Yeah, it's... It doesn't look practical at all. Like the Mac 10 with the, with the long ass no, it doesn't. You know, <laughs> silencer. Yeah it, it, yeah. it looks good in like, in the fact that it looks like sci-fi. It looks like something out of a, out of a comic book, but I mean, it looks like it would not be good in an actual combat situation. Well, it's because the, the, the Mac 10 itself, uh, you know, is a combat blowback, uh, machine submarine, you know, Thing. I mean, it would just like multiple, but then with that big rifle silencer thing, just made it looks kind of ridiculous. So, um, but yeah, back ten and by itself is like kind of um, smaller. So, um, yeah, that was the yeah the Smith and Weth- Smith and, and then the other uh, scope. Anyway, the budget was six million. Box office twenty five million. Which twenty five million in nineteen eighty one dollars? Oh, wow. That's a that's a sizable hit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rotten yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomato critic like... score eighty six percent critics seventy seven percent audience. Yeah, I think. I mean, I feel like it should be higher. I think I think that people who who, who watch it uh, now assume it's going to be some like action packed kind of movie, and it's really not. Like I said, it's more it's more of a like I said, it's almost more of a horror movie and a thriller than an action mm-hmm. film. Right. No, yeah, totally, I mean, yeah. I, I totally get it. But like I said, anyway. Um, all right, let's let us uh, move on a little bit to Escape from um, Escape from New York. Oh, it's uh, okay. L.A. Right, my notes. Escape from L.A. 1996. Yes. At the beginning of the film, Kurt Russell wears his costume from the original film, which still fits after 15 years. Yeah, I don't know that one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm always kind of sad when he changes into the more like like '90s like leather like Matrix outfit. Yeah, I agree, but that duster is yeah, badass. Which is, I always wish that when he's like, "I'll take the coat." Yeah, because it, oh, it's yeah. like even he yes. acknowledges <laughs> the costumes a little bit stupider. 
Um, Bruce Campbell uh, has a cameo as Surgeon General. Campbell and Kurt Russell share the same stunt double. His name is John Casino, and he had been doubling for both of them for several years before this film. That I had no mm-hmm. idea. I knew Dick, about... Because Dick Warlock would have been too old at this point, yeah. yeah. Well, I... I mean, maybe I don't know. I, I thought he, I, I always assumed Dick Warlock and him were like still like Cliff Booth and like Rick Dalton, where they were just like they were joined at the hip until death. But maybe no, I'm wrong. I, he I don't know. Been, he would have been in his fifties at that point. Mm. I know uh, yeah, I Casino know. or whatever John Casino. Uh, what did he the stunt double in Big Trouble in Little China? Is that the same guy? No, I saw Dick Warlock in, in Big Dick Warlock. China. Okay, yeah, like I, I met Dick Warlock in in 2010, and he was. In his 70s, so if you do the math, it kind of makes sense. Okay. Okay. Uh, Steve Buscemi took the part in this film to fund his directorial debut, Trees Lounge. Came out in 1996. I own that movie. Trees Lounge is a great movie, so I'm glad that happened. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. I like Trees Lounge. Indeed. Uh, The Happy Kingdom set was actually the town square from Back to the Future Universal, which is also seen seen in Gremlins. You know, it's... Yeah, that makes sense. Um, seen a lot of movies because it's on the Universal backlot. I think it was also in like uh, one of the Batman movies too. I think. Uh, I think I it was no in idea. Batman. Could uh, be the intro to the first Batman. Anyway, um, Kurt Russell practiced playing basketball between scenes because he wanted to make all of his shots legitimately in the basketball scene later on. He made all the scenes purely on his talent, even the full court one. You know, I I have heard that, which I still don't know how the hell he made the full court one. Like, I have just no like, idea. Straight up, you know. I imagine. It, oh, I know, but like yeah. with accuracy. <laughs> like, I imagine if he practiced it a lot, it's possible. But you'd have to specifically mm-hmm. practice doing that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But doesn't um, that seem cooler that, that you can tell it's not a stunt double like 90% of the time, you know? Right. Yeah, that's actually him making all the shots. Might not yeah. have been one continuous shot, but I mean, he he made them all, right? Uh. And then to get into character, we were talking about this earlier, Pam Greer, to get into character as a transgender woman, Pam Greer would put on, put a sock in her pants during shooting. <laughs> that I've never heard, but like, sure, all right, okay. that's fine. Okay. All right. Because I think she, wasn't she, this was like her post getting nominated no. for, like, because she got nominated for stuff for, I think, Golden Globes for um, Jackie Brown, I think. I thought Jackie so Brown like, was out. Jackie was Brown was actress. It Jackie could Brown be. Was I don't remember. This, actually, yes, it was a year oh. after. Yeah, I had to look that up too. I okay, was like, then... when was Jackie Brown? But yeah, Terminator Two was uh, ninety one. Uh, Brown, yeah, that was ninety seven. Was Jackie? So it would have been. Oh wow! So okay. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So the so I did not know he would have cast her. Based yeah, on the, that. like like Je- like uh, Pam Greer was still. I mean, she was still a movie star, but she was doing stuff like a, that Seagal movie and stuff like that at this time. So her star had fallen a little bit. I, think, I don't remember anything. I remember her being in like Coffee and Foxy Brown, and then nothing, and then she was in Jackie Brown. Like I have no idea like, what was the. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't remember which Seagal movie she's in, and, and I know the action Twitter community will like will like roast me for that. But but I, I hate Seagal for the most part. But um, but she but she played but she plays with Seagal's partner in, in one of his '90s movies. Uh. I mean, they're all kind of the same movie, for being yeah. honest. So if Action Twitter is going to come to you, they can come for me first. Okay. <laughs> like, they're all kind uh, of the same movie. I'll throw you in honest. front of me, then, if that happens. Uh, what year What year was that? That's fine. I, I don't know, dude, off the top of my head. I mean, she was in Bill and yeah, Ted's Bogus no Journey. 
Uh, yes, he was. was yes, he was. I forgot about that. that uh, is no, no, no. I feel like I have to look it up. So this will make for a great, this make for great audio as I look this up. <laughs> Uh, tough enough. Okay, while you're going over that, I'll I will go I will continue with the notes, and then you 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 let us know when you find the answer. I would say almost every yeah. Steven Seagal movie has like three names. Oh, okay. So oh, let's just go for that. Like, Mark for the death. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> one of those. Yeah, which which is one of his better ones. It's one of his better ones. I mean, as far as his movies go, I mean, he's a scumbag and a trouble human being. But that, that's a pretty good movie. He plays. She, I don't remember. She all plays the same movie Detective Dolores Jax, Jackson. Yeah, nineteen. But anyway, Pam Greer is great. I so, remember. I mean, yeah. No, I love Pam Greer. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like, I yeah, I was like, I remember like the seventies Pam Greer and then nineties <laughs> Pam Greer, but nothing in the middle except for now that you've mentioned Bill and Ted. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, she wasn't Bill and Ted. All I right. grant that. I for, I do. I forgot about that. Uh, well, well, Escape from L.A. Rotten Tomatoes critic score fifty. Oh wait, we got a Roger Ebert. Uh, three and a half out of four stars. Yes. Well, yes. Well, well, Roger <laughs> liked him some trash. That's what you don't often forget about Ebert. Was he was, <laughs> he was pretty kind to genre film. You know? He says, uh, "Escape from." It depends. Not a horror so much. <laughs> he says, That's "Escape true. from L.A." has such manic energy, such a weird cockeyed vision that it may work on some moviegoers as satire and on others as the real thing. It was both of those. One was a child, one was an adult. So yes, that does in fact. Uh, yeah. that is uh, Rotten Tomato critic score fifty three percent for critics, thirty nine percent audience. That, that's that's Pat, ridiculous. Pat it's, is flipping the bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Escape. <laughs> well, we, we talked about this on Twitter about movies that we like that have terrible scores, and this is this is one I referenced when in, in my choices. I really like Escape from L.A. I think it's a yeah, lot well, of fun. Well, here's yeah, one of the things that I save kind of towards the end, like after, you know, after all of that. The budget was $50 million, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay? I know, which is insane. Box office, $25.5 million. Yeah. It, now, it, it this is, is 1996. Yeah. It made almost the same exact money as Escape from New York in 1981. It made $25 million. Yeah, That's why all plans for Escape 3 yeah. never happened. Yeah. They'll make just a yeah. they'll they'll spend well they kind of did but yeah you know a hundred million and make twenty five million yeah so yeah. let's 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 All talk right. let's it's, talk about yeah. Escape Three for a moment uh, right? uh, wait wait, wait a second uh, before we oh, continue I just got a okay. couple more like because okay, you know ahead. it's a sequel and and it does I mean it doesn't really involve that but there was uh, Marvel Comics did release a one shot The Adventures of Snake Plissken in January of nineteen ninety seven. The story takes place somewhere between Escape from New York and its famous Cleveland escape mentioned in Escape from L.A. Snake has robbed Atlantis for disease control for some engineered metaviruses and looking for buyers in Chicago. So just kind of goes on from there. And then there was an Escape from L.A. video game that was announced for Sega, for Sony PlayStation, uh, and some others, and even uh, PC but it was never made. It was canceled. It was never you, came you, out. You, know, it was, you can sucks. find you can find test footage on the internet. It's on YouTube if you want to go look it up. It looks terrible, but I will. I'm sure it is. Yeah, but, 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 but I would have played it. One of those that they probably were like finished, but then you know it never caught fire, right? Like it never ignited. Yeah. So they probably just like oh, scrap it, right? Yeah. Like why are we going to release yeah. a dead video game for you know this movie that didn't ignite? Yeah. All right. No, so, fair. what about Escape from the Earth? Yeah. Well, the, the third film was oh, going to yes. be Escape from Earth, which was going to be about just like what it sounds. It was going to be about 
you know, uh, it's going to take place off Earth. And, uh, and it's going to be a Stapleska movie. And, you know, L.A. did so poorly that it got tabled. But Carpenter repurposed the script for another film that became uh, one of his most reviled films, uh, Ghosts of Mars. Right. And uh, Okay. Which is not, it's, okay, I've rewatched it recently. It is unfairly reviled. It is not good. But it is entertaining as hell. So, that's what I think he was going for. I don't think he was trying to make, like, anything artistic in any way. He was just making trash. He made excellent trash, is all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I actually saw I actually saw Ghost of Mars in the theater. I, I drugged my dad to it, because mm-hmm. me, me and my dad were still sharing movie time together on the weekends. He was pissed at me for making him go to Ghost of Mars. Like, he still brings it up occasionally about how that's the worst movie I ever made him see in the theater. And I made him watch Howard the Duck in the theater when I was a little kid. So that gives you an idea of how much he hates it. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, basically, it, it got rewritten where uh, the, the Snakeless character became Desolation Jones, I think is his name. Uh, Desolation, Desolation Williams. Williams, thank you. I've not seen it since the theater, believe it or not. Uh, but played by Ice Cube. Um, uh, like I need to go back and rewatch it. I bet you I would like it now if I watched it now. Um, yeah, well, the only thing about it that like kind of would well, bum me out is like if you had made that Snake Plissken, is Snake Plissken like the second banana character? Then I don't think it would have worked movie? as well. Look. Ghosts of Mars. Uh, Ghosts oh, okay. of Mars. Uh, I'm and I want to tell you, yeah, I want to tell you a quick story. Like when I when I met Carpenter, I was determined to try to ask him questions about Escape from Earth, and I think I pissed him off. <laughs> Because oh, I, no, I asked him a question, we, we had a very, we had a very polite chat. We were very polite chat every time I was a fan. We talked about video games and random stuff for a bit. And I said, "Sir, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer, but can you tell me a little bit about Escape from Earth." He's like, "Well, there's nothing really to talk about." I'm like, uh. "Well, but you know, you repurposed part of it for Ghost Ghost of Mars." And he goes, "There's nothing really to talk about." You know, uh. it was going to be called Escape from Mars. They didn't get made. Who cares? And I was like, "Okay, I'm sorry, I brought it up." Like you can yeah. just have you ever seen an interview with him? That's the tone he took. Like he's like he's like it made no money. Who cares? Okay, I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean uh, no, no, yeah, no. Nobody wants to talk about their their failures or whatever. Yeah. Twenty twenty two percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, twenty four percent audience. Yeah, so, I mean uh, it's it's Ice Cube. I mean I'm sure he was happy to be in like a as I said, it's, it's trash, but it's, it's fun. fun yeah, trash. I'm probably gonna rewatch it because of I just haven't seen it. It's nice. I saw it when I was like. 17, 18, I've not seen it since then. I should rewatch it. Yeah. All right. Uh do we do yeah, we even no, have to do, do the would we keep the film keep it an extra it's a, day? It's a segment on the show. We're doing it. All right. Can we can we all just say yeah that we'd keep it keep well, these movies an extra at day? At least let me intro at least let me intro it, man. Come on. Okay. So Go if you it. were to rent these two movies from the video store and have yourself a little escape from uh New York LA marathon, a little snake pliskinathon. Would you keep the movies an extra day and pay that late fee, or would you get them back early and avoid those late fees? For me, I love them. I own them. I've seen them a dozen times. I watch them a dozen more. I would, I would steal them from from the video store. Call me Snake. <laughs> Name. I mean, for Bliskin. me, I have anxiety, so like I cannot not return them. But I would watch them as many times as I could before I had to return them. I'm, I so, mean, I've. I have anxiety, and, and I, I I've never seen these movies, but I, you know, I really liked it. I really liked, uh, you know, Escape from New York. I mean, I probably did like Escape from New York better than you know Escape from L.A. Uh, well, that's not surprising. Yeah, yeah. 
because I, I thought it understandable. I, well, I thought that had a, <laughs> a little bit better mix of all those elements of like kind of being a little whimsical and kind of you know campy and the horror and the you know and the violence like kind of like all together. And I thought that that was just like a, a much better amalgam of all those uh, elements. I think. Yeah, the 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 mix oh, totally. is a little off in Escape from LA. I mean, it's still yeah. it's still fun, it's still enjoyable, but it's just, it's a little it's a little less so. Yeah, I think it was just different goals. Like I think he was like, yeah, I think it was like the, the kind of the Gremlins yeah. two thing. Right? I think he was like trying to kind of send it up on a certain level. So like I think he achieved what he was trying to do. It's just a matter of people didn't <laughs> want that, and that's, yeah. that's entirely fair. Yeah, uh, so fair. now we've reached the the final part of the show, which is recommendations. So. Uh, how about you go first, Ryan? What would you no, recommend I'm gonna, along I, with these two uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let our guest go first. I'm gonna let okay. Mr. Pat go first this time. Um, actually, there's a movie that is so close to like what this was that John Carpenter sued them and won okay. for plagiarism. It's called I think it's either Lock Up it's, or Lock Out. Lock I can't out. the title. Yeah. Okay, it's Guy Pierce. In space, it's essentially Escape from Earth. It's literally basically yeah. that. Like it's just like so. If you want to watch what Escape from Earth would have been, I would say instead of Ghosts of Mars, which is awesome and you should watch, but like if you want basically the third Snake Plissken movie, watch yeah, that. It's movie. Called Lockout. Uh, See, so yeah, Carpenter did sue the makers of it, saying they ripped off his uh, his his character of Snake Plissken in the in the concept of the Escape movies, and the courts agreed with him. That's how close it is. Mm. Um, so that's an excellent call. Um, because it really it it just feels like those films, and and it's good, and it's really it's an underappreciated film because it, it also has some ropey special effects and it has some primitive CGI, but it's got this it's got the tone down perfectly. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, so like 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 crabby yeah. antihero who's snarky and just antisocial. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed it didn't become a series of just like B movies. Mm. Well, I mean, after you get sued, what the hell? Where I don't that's know where you true. go that's from why, there. That's what stopped it. But you're right; it is fascinating because it really, it really is the third escape film that's just not called Escape. Basically, what what, what about you, Ryan? Uh, I I'm gonna go with um, a movie. It's not a Carpenter movie or or anything else, but it's just something that uh, sort of reminded me of it. I mean, I, I, because I think like the Warriors would be, uh, you know, a good call. Uh, kind of following it. Um, but I, there is a movie that was made in 1987 called the running man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's kind of one of those forgotten Schwarzenegger, you know, films. Cause everybody talks about, uh, you know, predator or they talk about Terminator or they talk about, um, uh, some of the, some of the other films, but, um, and, and even some of the ones, what was uh, the one where he's like protecting, uh, the little girl, like, um, commando, but like, you know, the running man kind of gets like, I think forgotten in the middle of all that. And it is kind of like this dystopian future. And, you know, where you have like Richard Dawson, who was like known for being on the family feud as this like game show host. And now here he is like a game show host of these like weird, you know, games where this person has to escape or whatever. And, um, you know, in this dark dystopian future. So, uh, it, it was based on a Stephen King uh, novel, and uh, yeah, I, I yes and no. Like I just read the book like a year ago. Well, the book says well, not, yeah, well, the, the name, well, the no, the, it is the book. From what I understand, is a little more social commentary, right? 
and the movie is a little more. Different. It's also right, darker. And, 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 it's right, so and, dark. But the movie is more campy. It has more of those like action one liners. So well, that's where it's, it's kind of like a, one of the best of Arnold's one liners for sure. Right. Well, that, oh, and that's where it's kind oh, of yeah. a, a mix between you know because I think that Carpenter was also trying to make like this, uh, you know this this dystopian future this this commentary. You know, in uh, you know, Escape from New York or whatever. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's why they yeah. kind of you know. No, I love that movie. Like I would, I, I you say people for, for, forget. I have never forgot. Like I always love Running Man. Oh, like, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, early Arnold fan. I, I love all those kind of dopey action films. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, um, I'm I'm going to go a little film nerdy and just recommend uh, several different things. For different reasons. Uh oh. If you want to watch another Kurt Russell sci fi movie, you got to go with what might be Paul W.S. Anderson's best movie, which is uh, Soldier. Um, with. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Okay. With Jason Scott Lee. Yeah. And it's it's a different performance from Russell. He doesn't. He barely talks in it. He's very. He's not. I mean, he barely talks in the escape films, but it's, he's very. He's much more robotic and cold in Soldier. Uh, it's it's just a, it's an underappreciated film in its filmography, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and it's got sci-fi trappings. It basically takes place in the Blade Runner world, where, where, but I'm not going to yeah. get into that whole thing. Um, I'm also going to recommend an exploitation film starring Isaac Hayes because he is Duke A number one. Uh, and that's Truck Turner. Truck Turner may be the best black yeah. exploitation film ever made. Mm. Like it's up there with Coffee, okay. it's up there with Foxy Brown, it's up there with Shaft. Truck Turner. With Isaac Hayes is phenomenal. Um, we're gonna do we're gonna do a black exploitation episode at some point. I'm gonna make you guys watch it. That's how good it is. <laughs> I am put nothing above coffee, but I have seen Truck Turner. And yeah. It is cool. I will not. I'm not arguing yeah. against it, but coffee is yeah. like my high water mark. But, but, but Truck uh, Turner, yeah. yeah, excellent film. Isaac Hayes is great in it. Uh, I often like to think that the, that the Duke was Truck Turner who got arrested and thrown mm. into this. this <laughs> uh, All right. Good uh, and also, there's tons of there's tons of dystopian films you can go back to. Of course, you got the obvious ones like. Mad Max and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but you know I've been watching a lot of the the Italian ripoff movies lately, like Bronx Warriors, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, you know Joe Diamato's Endgame. These are all movies that that were basically inspired by Mad Max and Escape from New York. They basically ripped off a lot of the aesthetic qualities because because it, it, Italy has no copyright laws, so they would just rip off all these concepts and make basically like these gumbos of different cinematic ideas. So there's a lot of great like I thought you said inspired yeah, by yeah. <laughs> like it is not inspired no, like, by I mean, it is literally yeah, like they yeah they basically them rip, off. And, like they rip off several different ideas and put them all into one movie and like they're just fun like so there's ones like Endgame and like again Bronx Warriors 1997 so those are if you want to go deeper into like the weirdness of movies yeah. that's what I'd recommend but any of these movies that we've recommended would go really well in a in a weekend if you wanted to have like a just a movie marathon with these films. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I, I'm I'm totally with you. I really. I, I also, as I said, I'm not like it's because my brand. I'm going to recommend Suicide Squad. <laughs> I'm just saying it's just that's the thing that I'm going to do. That's that's and just to clarify, that's that's David Ayer Suicide Squad. It's not not the Suicide Squad. Uh, uh, no, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a whole thing, but you know. Well, hey, let, let's but just. I, one day I will be a prophet. One day, and and let's just say you know, Escape from uh, New York is uh, what? How many? How long, is ninety nine minutes? Escape from L A is one hundred and one. I yeah. mean, 
That's yeah. that's they're, they're they're easy watches. I watched them both today, and they just yeah. flew by. Yeah, they just they're, they're so fun. They're so good. They're so they're such good time watches. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Carpenter knew how to pace. Like it, there was never like fat yeah. on anything. Like everything that he did, it's yeah, all. I've never, I've never seen a really. I've never seen a flabby uh, Carpenter movie except for Village Village of the Damned, maybe. But that's a whole different conversation. Uh, that's but. Funny. Uh, but yeah, as, as we start to wind it down, I, I want to thank you for being here, Patrick. It was a pleasure. I'm sorry it took us so long to have you on the show. This will not be the last time. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. For sure. Uh, but go ahead and plug go, go ahead and plug your socials, man. Let, let, let people know where to find you so they can harass you about things. <laughs> um, I'm Alleyway Crew, A L L E Y K R E W on most things like Twitter and whatnot. I think the only thing that I'm not is like Instagram. I'm Age of Apocalypse. Because I thought that was funny, and then I just never changed it. <laughs> but like most of the time, I'm alleyway. Yeah, you can also find his stuff on the Video Culture website. That's video-culture.com, mm-hmm. where we have all the show's archives and uh, and tons of articles by Patrick because he is our most pro- prolific writer. That's why he got the, the uh, title of staff writer. Yeah. Um, because he has been our backbone of, the, of keeping the content flowing on the site when me and Ryan were just too tired to do anything so yes we appreciate you man thank you so much for that i can finally tell you in person face to face thank you for having our backs thank you for being part of the team We're oh glad yeah to have you oh dude yeah. thank you yeah he's definitely part of the uh video culture crew and so uh it's it's really a pleasure to have you on our you know on our show like be a part of the actual, you know, the part of the podcast is so uh, yeah, a lot I, of fun. So thank you very you much. Can be on, you, you can be on as much as you'd like. I mean, it, it, I, yeah, no, I'm down for whatever. <laughs> always. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Thank you, Pat. Uh, well, yeah, look forward to it to have you on some more. So anyway, uh, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you, everyone. I'm Ryan Acri. And for Patrick, I'm Matthew S3. Go watch the movies, guys. Thanks for checking out this episode of Video Culture. You can check us out on Twitter at Video Culture 2. That's the number two for two guys talking about movies like Ryan and myself. And you can also check us out on Facebook. Just search for Video Culture Podcast. Also, be sure to stop by our our official website, video-culture.com. There we have the entire show archives, as well as articles about film. Yeah, so check us out. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, come hang out with us, talk movies. Did you like the show? Do you hate the show? you like or hate the movies we talked about let us know come chat with us and let's all watch movies together
Escape from New York, the high adventure of the future. One man must go in where no man has ever gotten out. And if he comes back alone, his nightmare has just begun. Who are you? John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Heard you were dead. This stuff is like gold around here, you know. escape of them all is about to blow the future apart.